have for several weeks, well, since January 1st, I have sat up here and I have talked about our Believe program. We have raised better than $600,000, about $650,000 or $60,000 cash. Um, most of that has come in. We are trying to raise $1.2 million. Something happened to me this week that I need to tell you about, and I have to apologize. I, um, I got away with my wife this week. I went to a retreat. It was a place where um, there wasn't anything else to do except just listen, talk and listen to God and just, just hear from him. And um, I asked God a lot about the direction of our church. Am I doing what he wants? Um, I did hear three things, and I'll tell you the three things I heard from God. I've got to stand up. Chris said, sit down when you do the message. I did. I made a major mistake. It was at a place where they had these great big boulders. I tried to climb these boulders like any man would and fell and hurt my foot. And I thought I broke it. I did not break it, but I have it taped and bandaged heavily. And I'm not supposed to be walking around on it. And it's just super swollen, but I can't sit and teach. So the anointing takes over. I don't feel it. But when I get done, I'll feel it like crazy. So I'm going to try to not walk around much. I'm going to try to just do this as quick as I can. I felt like when I was there, here are the three things the Lord told me. I said, Lord, I want to give, I gave 15 years to this church. I want to give 15 more. Is that okay? I felt like the Lord told me you can give 15 more years to this church, but what you do in 15 years is going to change. So there'll be things that I'll be talking about with that. Second one was this. I asked the Lord, Am I doing the right thing in leading this campaign right here? He said, you did everything exactly like I told you until you stood up a little more than a month ago and you put pressure on people. And this is what I did. We had hit a point where we were raising, we saturated. <laughs> this church is giving more than it's ever given before. It is the most generous church I've ever seen in my life. You're on record to give a million dollars more than you gave last year. A million dollars. You do that every year. You give a, almost a million more than you gave the year before. And we're on record to receive more than we ever received before. Here's what happened. It's probably like this at your house. You probably have um, a single place where your money comes from. Or maybe two places where your money comes from. Do you agree with that? But you probably don't have unlimited places where your money comes from. You agree? Okay. And probably the money that you use, you've only got so much of it to go around. Agree with that? So we stand up and start project here, project there. We've got six mission trips going on. We are doing a Believe campaign where we are building out downstairs and at the Highlands Ranch campus. We are also collecting for other projects that are going on, and we're acting like we have endless funds. You are giving more than you've ever given, yet here's what's happened. Um, the money that's being given is being designated in so many areas that it's pulled it away from our general fund, and so I've got to stand up here and say, I made a mistake, and here's the mistake. About five weeks ago, I felt like we had saturated all that was going to be given to the project of belief. I felt like at that point I was supposed to take what was given 
build out the children's portion of it. The other part is the beautiful part that we want to do. It's the redecoration. I felt like the Lord told me, I'll let you do that, but don't do that right now. Wait, just wait. I didn't do it. I put pressure. I said, folks, let's give more. I'm going to reconsider what I'm doing. You guys reconsider what you're doing. Let's go for it. Mm, sounded good. Everybody clapped and blah, 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 blah. And then here's what's happened since that time. We um, have taken a $15,000 per week loss in our general fund, but our giving is up higher than it's ever been. Why? Because it's going to every project under the sun. You hear me? So I've got to stand up here and I've got to say I made a bad mistake. And I hate saying that as pastor. I hate saying that I didn't hear from God. I hate saying that I missed it. I missed it. I blew it. Greg, I'm a businessman too, and I blew it, and I've got to admit it. You know, here's the problem. When a businessman does it, he gets to do it privately. When I do it, I get to do it in front of 4,000 people that get to hear me say it. I blew it. Here's what I want you to do. We have enough money to complete our project to take care of our children, and that's what the project was for. We are already in the framing process over at Highlands Ranch. All of the plumbing is done. They're getting ready to finish that thing up, and then we will start downstairs. The project to take care of your children is going to be done. We have all the money for that. It is taken care of. The beautification things that we want to do are going to take a little bit longer. I'm going to pay cash for those things, and I'm just going to wait until we get the cash to do it. How's that sound? Sound better? Here's what I need you to do. I need you to quit giving money to the Believe Campaign. But I need you to give the money back to the general fund. Do you hear that? It's got to go back to the general fund. I want you to imagine it this way. If you lost 5000 per week from your general fund, how long could you operate at your house? Steve, tell me. Not long? Okay, we're at the point where it's becoming critical. It's not critical, but it's becoming critical. I would love to hide right now. <laughs> I would love to get behind this pulpit and say, Pastor Larry, you really blew it, man. Why didn't you tell us? <laughs> but it's my fault. I'm the dude. There's nobody else to blame. There's nobody else. The buck stops with me, and I did it. Um, I just need to ask you, we have enough money to do what God told us to do, and that is to take care of the children, and we will take care of the children, the beautification stuff that we want to do. We will wait till we have the money, and as we have the money, we will pay for it cash. How's that sound right there? That's the way we'll do it. So I need you to just please reconsider. Would you quit giving towards the um, Believe Campaign at this point? Would you give back towards our general fund so that we can replenish the money that's there. We've got to do that. Folks, listen, it wouldn't make any sense. We could go on 15 mission trips, but if we don't have a building to come back to, what difference does it make? <laughs> you could listen to the best messages in the world, if, in my opinion, but if, 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 if we can't pay the electric bill, it won't matter, will it? Does that make sense? Do you get how it works? I would love to write on the light bill, Thank you for your donation, but the power company doesn't care. They do not care. I would love to write on the visa bill. Oh, it's the year of Jubilee, but they don't care about that either. Uh, bottom line is, well, hey, what are we doing on our side of it too? Um, I told Dan immediately, you take all the credit cards and you cut them back 
you cut, what did I, what did I have you cut them back to? 50%, yeah, I said, you cut them back 50% immediately. Not, don't, even, don't even give any warning. You just do it and then announce it. Um, so um, that, was, that was done just like that. Um, we are, our spending, here's how we have always looked at spending in this church. We have never felt like it's our job to get more money out of you. We have always felt like our job is to be good stewards of what you give. And I made a mistake. And I'm sorry. And I apologize. It's not okay. I apologize. I will listen more closely to the Lord in the future when it comes to things like this. I will pay attention. I will not allow what I want to get in place of what God wants. Does that make sense? Will you forgive me? Thank you for doing that. I've got to do that four more times this weekend. (laughs) And that's the way that it is. So let's jump into this message. It is about love. So how about that right there? I wrote in your notes, this is a series about love. So it is applicable to everybody. And when I say that, I mean everybody. Yes or no? I know it's a marriage series. Here's what we did. I'm not sure if it's, Dan, I'm not sure. Looking right now, I'm not sure if we made a mistake or not. I'm not sure what it's like at Highlands Ranch. I'm not sure what it's like over at any of the campuses. It could be at Castle Rock. It could be packed at Lakewood, but looking at it right here, we may have made a mistake. Here's what I did. Here, here's, here's how I tried to calculate it. Um, our highest, our highest attended um, series is anything we do on marriage. Our lowest time of the year is June 1st. So I said, what if we did a marriage series June 1st? <laughs> Does anybody else think that's a good idea? That seemed good to me. I'm like, let's just throw it out there. And the people who really love each other will be here. So congratulations. Yes, bump him just like that, Carol. He loves you. That's why he's here. He didn't even know this was happening this weekend. (laughs) No, he knew. So here's here's the thing. We, We thought... We just thought, you know, we, we tried this. I don't know. We'll see this weekend whether it worked or not. But what, what I did was I knew doing a marriage series, not everybody in our church is married. We've got a lot of singles in our church. So we are doing a couple things. Terry and I are working on uh, uh, an opportunity to do some singles ministry. And here's what we called it, sacred singles. And the services are going to be June 8th and June 15th. 7 o'clock here at Lone Tree, and the two of us are doing that because we recognize we have singles in our churches who need to hear on this issue. So when we talk about marriage, it's not just an issue about marriage. It really is about love. So do you agree that when it's about love, everybody needs to hear about it? Is that an agreed issue? Hey, my throat sounds like it's going. It's not. I I caught some little virus this week. It doesn't hurt. I don't have a sore throat, but it sounds like I'm going through puberty right now. (laughs) So my daughter goes, the only thing that makes it better is tea. She said, would you like some tea? I said, here's the problem. I'll drink the tea. My voice will go back down, and in 30 seconds, it comes back up, which will really make it sound like I'm going through puberty. So no, I will take the chance that it just cracks on you, but I feel fine so there, there you go right there. So it is a series about love. 
And I believe because of that, it's applicable to everybody. And I really mean everybody. Under the intro prompt, I put this. I want to welcome everyone, including all of our campuses and all who are listening to our series on marriage. And even though I say it's a series on marriage, tonight really is about love. Now, I put it's going to be a super creative Series. I think you'll have fun with it. I think you'll see new things. I think you'll see us do stuff we've never done before. And yet, I want you to know it's intentionally unambiguous so that people who are not married could still come to it and not feel like, wow, because I'm not married, I can't get anything out of that, out of that mess. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I'm intentionally going to try to be unambiguous in some of the things that I say. Now, I put in, in this thought, see if you can agree with this. This is not a husband-wife, although it's true and it could come from a husband and wife. When a relationship is good, there's nothing like it. Do you agree with that? Now, that could be, that could be a husband and wife, but it could also be business partners. Do you agree? It could be friends. It could be a mother and a son. It could be a father and a daughter. When the relationship's good, nothing's like it. But how about this? When a relationship's bad, nothing's like it. Is that not true? Now, that could be a marriage relationship, but it's also true between husbands and, or between fathers and daughters, between mothers and son, between business partners, between friends. When they're good, they're good. When they're bad, they're bad. Their dreams are their nightmares. Bottom line, here's what I put. It really is all about love. The Beatles sang the song. Do you remember it? All you need is sinners. <laughs> That's twice that I've used rock music. <laughs> My wife, who does some of the creative stuff, said, I ought to play that song when you, when you get to that right there. I said, don't do it because I'm going to sing it. I want you to know the Beatles stole it from the Apostle Paul. Do you think I'm kidding? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Paul writes these powerful words. If you've been to a wedding, I bet you've heard them. If you've read your Bible, I bet you've read it. I bet you've heard a message on it at some point. Would you agree? It's probably the most profound words ever taught about love in my mind. I don't think Paul could have written anything that he ever could have added that would have ever brought anything more out of the series. It's an incredible amount of information here. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13 1 through 3, Paul begins this way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not, what's the word? I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Two, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains. I want to stop here and I want to comment on something. Does it not seem like to you today that the churches that people look at that say those are the churches where God is doing the most are the ones that are the mountain-moving churches? They're the ones where people are being healed, 
where blinded eyes are being opened, where people who are, who are in wheelchairs are walking. Now, I believe in those things. I believe God does those things. I've seen God do those things. I'm praying as I walk tonight, he'll heal my ankle. My wife is praying that because she's tired of hearing me whine about it. <laughs> but it seems to me that somehow here Paul is saying, if you have all of these things but you don't have love, You've missed the point entirely, and somehow we've reversed it. If we find all of these things, we found what we're looking for. Now, I want to ask you this question. Because of what he wrote, is it possible to have all of these things and not have love? I'm going to ask it one more time. I want your answer out of it. Is it possible to have all of these things going on and not have love? Well, of course it is, or else he doesn't write it. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Obviously, it's possible to have all the miraculous going on and not to have love. If I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am Wow. Does that, that's, does that seem a little harsh? Doesn't it seem like Paul would write, maybe you're just not all that. But he writes, you're nothing. How about this? If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not what? I gain nothing. Let me give you a few things just to consider when it comes to love tonight. And the first one I wrote this way, no noise, action. No noise, action. I don't know why it is, but it seems to me that every time somebody does something great, they like to talk about it, yes or no. You can't believe how many people, when they give money, like to tell me that they give money. I, you think I'm kidding you. People love to let me know that they give money. And, you know, I want you to know, here's the funniest thing. I do not know what anyone other than what we give, Chris and I, in this church give. When people walk up to me and they tell me, we give money, it turns, you want to know what? You are not my friend when you do that. I view you as trying to buy me. Did you hear me? And here's what happens. Instead of drawing close to me, I avoid you like you got chicken pox. There's not a lot of preachers who would say that. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me feel like I have to talk to you about it or that I owe you something or that I've got to tell you thank you for what you did. You didn't do anything for me. Let me just say something to you. Any money you give in this church, you think you gave it to me? You didn't give it to me. That money belonged to God. And if you didn't give it to God, then don't give your money. Hang on to it because it's not doing you any good anyway. I'm being completely serious with you. When you give your money, give it in secret. Don't let anybody know what you're doing. You know what you should learn to do? Do all your good works secretly. Yes. Yes. Yep. 
Learn to do things without having to tell everybody, I'm doing good things. Look at me. Yes or no? There's a lot I want to say there. I need to be careful. I'm stopping. Be careful. God challenged me not to tell what I do with my giving. Long time ago. Very rarely does anybody ever know where any of my money goes other than the fact that I tell that I do give. I feel it's completely unfair. In fact, I insist every pastor in this church give too. Here's the two things I insist on. If you work here, you tithe. Because it's it's wrong for us to ask the people to tithe if the pastors don't tithe. Do you agree with that? And then here's the second thing. If you work here and you don't tithe, maybe there's an issue that we've got to teach you on. Okay, I get that. But here's the deal. You don't get a raise until you learn how to tithe. That usually cures people from tithing very quickly. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's the funniest thing. People are like, oh, I do believe in it. I, oh, yes, I believe in that, Pastor. Totally, I'm into that. I will do that. Somebody says, well, are they giving for God or are they giving for you? At that point, it does not matter. They are leaders. Leaders are held to a higher standard, aren't they? Leaders are held to the standard of having to say, you're a leader leading other people in this church. And we cannot ask other people to do what we are unwilling to do. That is only fair, yes or no. So I say to you, I don't tell anybody what I do with my giving, and I'm about to tell you something I do with my giving. I look for things, I let God talk to me about where my money should go. Let me tell you how I do it. Chris and I, we've been married, our our next anniversary, my next birthday will be 50 and our next anniversary will be 30. We got to, this is a big year for us. It's a big year. We, We have tithed since we were married. That's never been something we argued about. Here's what we figured, we couldn't afford not to tithe. We were so poor, the roaches packed up and moved out of our house. That's how poor we were. Let me tell you what I did. Here, here, here was my brilliant financial strategy when we first got married. I took all of our money and bought a stereo system. Amen. Oh, amen. Amen. And a waterbed. Excuse me. I bought a waterbed from Big Sur Waterbed. Remember Big Sur Waterbed? Did you? It had no baffle in it. You get in that thing and woo. It was great, man. I didn't even know she was in the bed or not. I like, that probably needs to be edited out very quickly. Very, very, very quickly. So we never, ever, ever thought about tithing, questioned about tithing. We, we, we felt we could not afford not to tithe. Here was our understanding that the money didn't belong to us, it belonged to God. And that we would give answer to God for what he had given us. That's how we felt. You don't have to feel that way. You should feel that way, but you don't have to feel that way. Maybe you're at a position where what I'm about to say to you, you are so deep you can't even think this way. Okay, where can you start at? How about that? 
We, we looked at it and we said, okay, at the minimum, we're giving 10%. We gave it off the gross. That's how we did it. And then we said every year we're adding to it. Let's give more every year. Let's learn to live on less and give away more. What's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. It's the exact opposite of the American dream, isn't it? You know what it required? That we couldn't live on credit cards. Thank you, one person. Thank you, one. I was hoping I'd get one person who would say amen. And the rest of them are all feeling, are they there? Oh, yeah, it's okay. It's all good. It's good. Got them. Going out to dinner tonight. <laughs> so, you know, we had a place where God, I, I heard a guy say one time, you can't outgive him. And I, 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 there's, there's some truth to that in that whatever I do, God always, he has always blessed me back. He has always blessed me. He's always taken care of me. He's always watched over me. He's always done things for me. Okay, the latest thing we became involved in, we, I, I got this thing from Compassion International. How many of you know what Compassion is? They take care of kids around the world. So there's this little girl in South America who family, she has no opportunity. We live in the land of what? Now, a lot of people would say, there are people here who need money. We put the majority of the money we have here in America. But there are people who don't have opportunity in other places. And I look, where can I put my money that can bring the most seed in a person's life? So I, I, I just prayed about it. Compassion hands me this little girl. Her name's Mejia. I look it over. I'm like, what's the maximum amount of money they need from me? $38 a month? No problem. I'll give her 38 bucks a month. She writes me. I think they make her do it. <laughs> I'm sure they make her do it. Because she writes me about stuff that a normal eight-year-old would not write you about. <laughs> I received a beautiful new dresser with the money that you sent. <laughs> Great. Paul says, all of the motivation behind our giving, if it's not love, it's not worth a plug nickel. I want to challenge you tonight. I'm your pastor, and I want you to listen to me. Why do you give anything? Do you give to get? One of the worst teachings that ever hit the body of Christ happened about 25 years ago, and it was called give to get. And here was the teaching. If you give, God will give right back to you. So people began to do this. I will give to get. And their giving was not located from their heart based on love. It was given from greed. Yes or no? And here we have a problem because Paul says the motivation of why you give matters. Yes or no? One of the reasons I give to this little girl right here is because she could never pay me back. See her? She doesn't know me. She'll probably never meet me, maybe in heaven, but she'll never be able to pay me back. She'll never make enough money to pay me back. And you know what? That's just fine with me, man. 
That's just fine with me. She'll never be able to pay me back. And that's why I give it to her. I want nothing in return from her except to give her opportunity maybe to do something better than the life she's going to have if I don't do it. That's love. Does that make sense? If I could take the training that has been taught in so many churches of give to get, and I could sit up and I could tell people the Bible teaches the exact opposite. There are people who say, no, it teaches this. What you give is what you get. What you sow is what you receive. That is true. There's no doubt about it. But it's not speaking in terms of giving so that you get it back. It's not speaking of that. Paul is speaking, let your giving be a pure motive so that when you give, you give from a heart of love. Am I making any sense right now? Are my people with me? Let me do number two then. See if this makes sense. No gift makes up for love. Verse 2. One says, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Two says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have the faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. No gift makes up for love. Somehow, this is what I wrote, somehow on our resumes, we have included all of our gifts, yes or no. When was the last time you read a resume that said, I know how to give or I know how to love unconditionally? (laughs) I know how to love unconditionally. You know what I wrote in my notes? I would go to war with a guy who loved me rather than a guy who was full of spiritual gifts. Why? Because I've been to war with too many guys with spiritual gifts who stabbed me in the back. And the guys who loved me didn't judge me. They loved me. I would rather have a church full of people who love than a church full of people who talk in tongues. Now, if I could have both, I'd take both. You hear me? And we're to desire prophecy. The gifts are alive. They're evident. We have all sorts of opportunities, not on Saturday and Sunday, for people to enter into the gifts, but all through the week, we teach how you can enter into the gifts But from the pulpit, I would teach this. Above every gift remains the number one gift, and that gift is love. Yes or no? And before I would go to war with anybody who was full of spiritual gifts, I would go to war with a person who was full of love because that person would protect you. Do you agree with that? Let me give you the words of ultimate promotion. You ever heard these words? Well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you are hoping at the end of your life that God looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant? Please raise your hand right now. Please. How many of you are just like, 
If that doesn't happen, I don't know what I'm going to do. Me too. I want that one. That's the one I want. Well done, good and faithful servant. Look at this right here. Look at, look at, look at what Paul writes. It, it's the, it's, it's, it, 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 this blows my mind. If I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain what? Do you know how many people are going to show up on Judgment Day and point to all the stuff they did and God is going to say to them, it didn't count. Mm. Yes or no? If that's not true, then why is it written right there? Recently, I took my staff which time have I got? Recently, I took my staff through an exercise. There's a scripture that bothers me. You probably recognize the scripture this way. Jesus is teaching the disciples, and he says this. Not all of you who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes into a dialogue where people do three things. They do miracles, they battle demons, do you remember? And they pull off miraculous events in their life. And they point to all of the three things. And then Jesus tells them, depart from me because I didn't know who you were. And that bothers me. Because when I read that scripture, I don't read people who are insincere when they tell him, we cast out demons in your name. And we prophesied in your name. And we did miracles in your name. You know what I read in that scripture? I read shock. Yes or no? And I read fear. And when I read it, this is what I tell myself. That's for other people. That's not for you. But do you know the only thing that separates the people in that scripture from anybody else is one word. Depart from me because I knew you not. The word knew there is to know him intimately. You can do all the stuff, but if you don't know him intimately while you're doing it, it doesn't count for anything. Yes or no? This is a little bit of a rough message, isn't it? Pastor, you said it's about love. Totally is. Totally is. You know what I'm trying to get you to do right now? Weigh the motives of your heart. Why are you doing what you're doing? Do you know how many times we don't weigh the motives of our hearts? We just do stuff. We do this. We move there. We go there. We act this way. We say these things. We do it because we're supposed to do it. We do it because if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it. Yes or no? The motive of our heart, man. 
God is totally into the motive of our heart. Now, funny enough, when I wrote this, I told myself, after we did that last series on the Beatitudes, we each had to teach 20 minutes. By the way, did you guys enjoy that, yes or no? So here's what I learned. If you can't say it in 20 minutes, Something's wrong with you. you. Really, all you need is 35 minutes. And here I am at 40. <laughs> and you know what I said downstairs? I'm only going 35. <laughs> I left this last part in here intentionally. It's not in your notes. It's in your Bible. I wanted to find out how many people brought their Bibles with them. I checked from time to time. How many people brought their Bibles with them? You can hold up your phones. I get it. I'm not going to come check. Don't worry. I'll believe you. God will get you. Don't worry. <laughs> first Corinthians 13, the first three verses I taught on. Let me, let me get to the part that... I think is interesting to, to just do a test on. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, move past uh, 3, go to verse 4. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, so it's going to read a little bit different than what you've got. So um, Paul writes it this way, Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Love does, love does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Here's what I like to do from time to time to find out how I'm doing with this scripture. I put my name in the place of love. So I would like for you to do this exercise with me right now. Let's read it together, but you put your name in place where it says love, okay? Count of three, starting with verse four. John is, oh, that's no, together, <laughs> you don't have your Bibles. Your phones, I know what you're looking at right now. Tetris, I got it, uh-huh. I knew it, I caught you, okay. You won't do it, I will do it, and that will make it much easier. John is patient. Ouch. John is kind. John is not jealous. John does not brag. John is not arrogant. John does not act unbecomingly. John does not seek his own way. John is not provoked easily. John does not take into account a wrong suffered. John does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. John bears all things. John believes all things. John hopes all things. And John endures all things. Doesn't that take this scripture, personalize it, and make it where you have to look at it and go, wow, it's much more different to read it when it's my name in it than the word love is in it. Yes or no? Yes. Now I'm going to challenge you with something when Paul wrote it, he never wrote it with the idea that you're supposed to read it about some theology called love. You're supposed to read it with the idea that you are God's love on the earth. Amen. Amen. That's good. 
You're supposed to love your wife this way. Love your neighbor this way. Love your pastor this way. <laughs> yes or no? Yes. You're not supposed to keep records of wrongdoings. You're not supposed to hope in things going the wrong way. You're supposed to believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Doesn't it change it when you read it that way? And then can I read to you my very favorite verse in the whole Bible? Do you want to know what my very favorite verse in the whole Bible is? It's in verse 8. What does it say? Love never what? I love that verse because I'm going to end our talk with this scripture. Even if you think I've been tough with you right now, I'm going to end it with the most wonderful words in the world. God gets the final word over your life, and here's the word. Love never fails. You might fail. You might blow it. You might not give right. You might come up short in every one of these things, but God's love never fails in your life. You can count on him today. You can count on him tomorrow. You can count on him next week. You can count on him when you stand in front of him in heaven. You can count on him no matter what, as long as you have a relationship with him, yes or no. That's the good news. Love never fails. It never fails. Everything else will cease. Prophecy will stop. Miracles at some point will cease. But love will go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Somebody told me, I think eternity could get boring. It will not get boring. You will come into new levels of understanding the love of God, and you will be interested always. You will be ever learning, ever knowing, ever coming into a new revelation of something that is so incredible that you're like, that just blew my mind for the millionth time. <laughs> Love never fails. Every time I'm tempted to quit, That verse holds me in place. Every time I think it's not worth it, that verse holds me in place. Every time I struggle in my personal life, that verse holds me in place. This pastor has so many flaws. If you knew, I am so human. But love never fails, does it? So I stand back up again next week because love never fails. And I end my message with that. If you're here tonight, you don't know God. <laughs> how are you living? I'm serious. How are you living, man? Hoping? Love never fails. You know what I would offer to you? God's love. It never fails. It never fails. It never fails.
fails, never fails. Take it to the bank tomorrow, it never fails.